So good morning listeners and welcome to Sacred Space in West Limit 102 Local Radio. My name is John Keeley. Thank you again for joining me this morning and also for joining me, my colleague, who joins me each week, somewhere out there on Skypeline, to produce another edition of Sacred Space. Good morning to you, Shane Ambrose. How are you? Good morning, John. How are we keeping? We're good. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Again, we want to welcome those people, especially those people who are lonely, those people who are housebound and struggling maybe somewhere, sometime with uh, health problems today. I know there's a few people who are waiting on tests. I know there's a few people who have asked for prayer. So again, maybe just to remind listeners again, especially during our prayer space where we play that little bit of music just after the, just before the first break, maybe to remember in prayer those people who have faithfully listened to us each week um, and they're looking for some hope and they're looking for some prayer. Maybe we can all join in that this week. But in the meantime, thank you again for joining us. As I said, this is broadcast on West Limit 102 Local Radio. Uh, again, it's been repeated again tonight at 11pm. And a podcast of this and previous programmes are available on our blog. And that's on sacredspace102.blogspot.com and also available uh, on iTunes by a search in Come and See Inspirations. If you want to contact us at all, um, you can do it so by email, which is on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. Or you can text us, and that's on 87 6088667. So that's 087-6088667. And we would like to hear from you. That might just be how much you like the programme, maybe. It might be a piece of music that you might like us to play. It might be maybe to let us know of someone who you think would be good to come on the programme, join us, and maybe share their faith story, but certainly share some inspirational news with us. Um if you want to contact us, again, just remind you again, you can text us on 87 or sacredspace102 at gmail.com. And I think we did mention previously, Shane, as well, that if somebody has a faith, a faith question, we might be able to answer it, but we'll certainly get you somebody somewhere to give you an authentic Catholic answer to the question. So don't be afraid. Well, definitely, definitely. People have questions like that. Or another one which sometimes comes up is if people are looking for particular patron saints... Hmm. Uh, to let us know, and we'll see if we can find one for you. That's, uh, now, speaking about patron saints and so on and so forth, um, Shane, you usually share with us saints for the week that are coming up this week, which just might happen to be somebody's patron saint. Maybe share with some of us. So, uh, so uh, this week's uh, Celestial Guides. Um, so, um, today, of course, is the 8th of July, so we are the 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time. So, for those that are praying the Psalter, we're on week two. Um, so that's what we're celebrating this week. Um, so Monday, uh, we are thinking of our fellow Christians in China, particularly at this difficult time. Uh, the Chinese church is facing or has been facing a rather difficult few years um, as the, the authorities have been very much clamping down on not just Catholic Christians, but all Christians in China. But in particular, we remember them on Monday, the 9th of July, because it also happens to be the feast day of St. Augustine, Zaurong, and companions. And they were converts to Christianity. Um, St. Augustine was ordained priest and martyred in 1815. And they are the, the feast day celebrates 119 companions who were martyred in China over several centuries. So we particularly pray for China, the Chinese Christians on the 9th and particularly on that particular feast day. Then on... The 10th of July, on the we have a feast day of a, of a saint called Saint Kuan, C-U-A-N, 
Um, he was, uh, he's mentioned in several Irish, early Irish martyrologies. So these would be early lists of saints. Um, we're told that he was a tutor and a spiritual teacher of Prince uh, Chalakon of Fohart. And after that, we don't know much else about him. So that's St. Cúin, and his feast day is on the 10th of July. Then we have a biggie, John, on the 11th. The 11th of July is the feast day of St. Benedict of Nerissa. St. Benedict, he who wrote the rule of St. Benedict, and is the monastic father of the Benedictine order. Mm. So he, of course, he celebrates his feast day on the 11th of July. And um, he, of course, he was the twin brother of St. Scholastica. He studied in Rome, but was dismayed by the lack of kind of discipline. He fled to the mountains near Subacchio in Italy, and he lived in a cave as a hermit for a couple of years. And then... Uh, he people kind of gathered around him. He founded the monastery at Monte Cassino, where the, he wrote the rule of his order, which we which is, has come down to us in the present day. It's quite an interesting um, document. Quite quite short, quite brief, but very much something which has guided uh, communities for many many centuries. Um, he very much uh, is associated with different different miracles, of course, in his life. And including, um, for example, well, some monks tried to poison him, but he blessed the cup and rendered it harmless. It's something that's often depicted for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, very much, of course, associated, the, the rule is summed up as work and pray. And of course, we have had the, the community from Glenstall on the program quite a number of times. Um, so, on the, so on the 11th of July, we wish them a happy feast day. And if anyone is in or to, near Glenstall, I would highly recommend attending um, the solemn liturgies that the monks will be celebrating for their feast day on Wednesday. Mm. Then on Thursday, we have an interesting one. We have um, a feast day of a married couple. And I particularly highlighted it this year because it's not very common um, that we have married couples on the liturgical calendar. Uh, it's more often saints or monks or, you know, or monks or friars or priests or whichever. But we have partic- two particular ones on Thursday. It's St. Louis and Zelie uh, Martin, and they were the parents of St. Therese of Lisieux. Um, St. Louis and St. Zelie, they were beatified on Mission Sunday in 2008, and then they were by Pope Benedict XVI, and then Francis canonized them in October 20, um, 2015 during the Synod on the Family. And of course, they, uh, they, I suppose one of the things about them is they were the parents of nine children, um, five of them... Uh, the girls survived into adulthood, but all five uh, entered the religious life. Um, four of them became Carmelites. Of course, the famous, uh, most well-known of those daughters, of course, is the Saint Therese of Lisieux. And um, uh, and they're, they're, they're held up as, I suppose, as role models in, uh, in terms of, you know, just as examples for us of people in their ordinary day lives you know, you know that they are you know living and working and having families, uh, and 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 I put I put forward a kind of examples for us. Now, the interesting thing about Louis and Zelie Martin is, John, we found out this week they're actually coming to visit Ireland. Yes, we had a note in from the uh, sisters uh, in the Dominican Church here in Limerick, and they'll be hosting relics of Saint Teresa of Lisieux and her parents, Saint Louis and Zelie Martin. And Saturday the 18th of August, beginning with 1pm Mass, Blessing of the Roses, Veneration of the Relics, and Reflections by Dominicans will follow, with Song Vespers concluding the event at 5pm. So again, 
That's the relics of St. Teresa of Lisieux and her parents, St. Louis and Zelie Martin, on Saturday the 18th of August, beginning with 1 p.m. Mass, blessing of roses, veneration of relics, and reflections by the Dominicans will follow, with song vespers concluded at 5 p.m. And as you said, Shane, um, they are... Uh, the Martin family embody what is best in family life and offer a wonderful example of what a family can become. St. Louis mm-hmm. and Zelie are two of the patron saints of the issues well meet in the family, as you said. Yeah, exactly. And their their relics will actually be in um, the Phoenix Park at the Mass, the Papal Mass um, as well. So moving on then, um, Friday is the 13th. I hope not too many people are su- superstitious in that regard. Um so and on Friday, on the 13th of July, we celebrate the feast day of uh, St. Henry. Now, Henry is one of these royal saints from the continent. Um, he was the Duke of Bavaria, and he was later the Holy Roman Emperor. And he died in 1024, and he was canonized. He was seen as being very much kind of one of these just rulers, a humble man of prayer, and one who contributed also to the reform of the church uh, at the time. And he died in 1024. Then, um, on the 14th of July, which is Saturday, we have the feast day of St. Camillus de Lelis, I think is how you pronounce his surname. And people are going, well, why is that kind of familiar? Well, of course, because we have the hospital in Limerick, which is St. Camillus's. And so, so appropriately named, because St. Camillus... I, now, I love the way this is described. Sometimes when you come across these descriptions of the saints in, in, on the Ordo, it's kind of interesting. He was described, described as a rough-tempered and gambler in his early life as a soldier. And then he had a conversion at the age of 25. Uh, he was under kind of the spiritual guidance of St. Philip Neri, and he became a priest and worked with the sick for, with two companions. And uh, he founded an order called um, Servants of the Sick, or the Chameleons. And they have, around the world, they, they're still there very much involved with care of the sick, running of hospitals, um, and he's the patron saint, actually, of nurses, hospitals, and the sick. And a couple of years ago, uh, his relics actually were in Ireland as well. Um, I came across them in a context in Uganda, the chameleons, because they were trying to spread the understanding and uh, towards the sacrament of the sick and care of the sick. Um, because they're uh, very much against um, kind of a more superstitious culture that they had come across out there. So that's where I had come across the chameleons. So they celebrate their feast day on Saturday, which is the 14th. So that's what we have, John, in terms of the liturgical calendar for the coming week. Nothing? Yeah, anything else? No, no. But ju- I just maybe just remind people again, for those people who might be interested in that uh, visit of, of the relics, that's the Saturday before uh, the well meet in the Families Week, which begins yeah. obviously the following Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. So it's especially for those people, I suppose, who can't get to the world meeting, the families can't, can't, can't join in any of the ceremonies and any of the talks and so on and so forth that are taking place this week. So the Dominican Church will be hosting the relics again, starting at 1pm Mass, but we mention that every week as, as time goes on. Well, people, people might also remember the last time St. Teresa was around, or St. Teresa's relics were around, uh, very popular. Uh, a lot of people turned out, it surprised a lot of people uh, in terms of the, the amount of the crowds that turned up. So... At the Dominican Church there on on Clintwood Street, as John said. Now, also just to remind people, um, to the last couple of weeks we have covered obviously the World Meeting of Families uh, on the program, and just as you people will have seen in the national media, the tickets are going very quickly. Um, so as of 
as of this week, uh, Knock is obviously all the tickets have been allocated, and they're almost fully allocated for the Phoenix Park. There's only about 20,000 tickets left. So if you're thinking of going to the Phoenix Park in terms of planning your journey and all the rest of it, but make sure you get online and book those tickets. And the tickets will be uh, sent out uh, at the end of July. That's the plan um, uh, uh, for, for, for the distribution of the tickets. Okay, uh, just yeah. speaking then about the world meeting the families, um, I've just noticed notes, and thanks for reminding me, Shane. In the Newcastle West notes, an important note is world meeting the family, a special offer it's, in, it's, it's headed. Organisers are giving away an allocation of tickets to each parish for their festival of families in Crow Park on Saturday, 25th of August at 19.45, that's quarter to eight. The purpose of this offer is to try to ensure that one family per parish, or two, depending on the size of the family, gets to this festival of families. Any family in the Newcastle West area who would like to be included in a draw for these tickets at parish level could mm. send their names in and details of their family to Trish at the parish office, and that's on the phone 069 61816. Now, John, just before everyone and his mother decides to start suddenly putting their names into the Newcastle West draw... Just to confirm, that is actually something that all parishes will be doing. So keep an eye out for your own parish notes because there is an allocation of that's, tickets to each of the parishes in the diocese. That's right. That's so right. Just, 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 just keep an eye out for your own notes as well. No problem. Um, so we'll see how it goes. It's kind of, I think the excitement is starting to build a small bit for World Meeting of Families. You've only um, got 20,000 seats, uh, tickets left out of 600,000 or 500,000. That's not bad. It's not bad, you know, uh, but of course, one of the, one of the things Archbishop Jeremy Martin has said is it's not a numbers game, yep. um, you know, and that's, I suppose people will compare and they'll contrast it to 1979 and the last visit and all oh, what it was and what it meant and what it did think. You know, it's an event in its own, it's, a, it's an event in its own standing, and as Emer reminded us a couple of weeks ago, the Pope is coming to the World Meeting of Families. It's not a papal visit to Ireland as in, in, on its own. Pope Francis is coming for a reason, and he's coming to join the World Meeting of Families, which is been celebrated. And for me, I think that'll be that's actually what I'm actually looking forward to. to I won't be able to meet, make it to the World Meeting of Families myself, but I'm looking forward to reading up and following up on the talks that are being given in the RDS, uh, because there's some brilliant speakers that are being lined up there. And my understanding is those talks are being recorded and they'll be available afterwards, a bit like they did the International Eucharistic Congress back in 2012. Uh, which you can actually still access online, John. Did you know that? No, yeah, you can no. still access. If you still want to access the talks, uh, some of them and the videos, they're actually still online from the Congress in 2012, uh, IEC2012.ie. But anyway, we went off slide. Yeah. No, Barbara. Listen, Shane, Shane, thanks for that. And, of course, Emer Williams will be joining us again next week um, to, to go through the parish conversations as we spoke a few weeks ago. But before we go for our first bit of music... There's a spiritual communion prayer that's very important that we pray each Sunday morning for those people who can't get to Mass, maybe on their own this morning, in their own house, uh, and maybe we can all join in the spiritual communion prayer. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So this part of the programme will go for our first bit of music and this one is by Melinda Dimitriscu and this one is entitled Bless the Lord My Soul. So let's remember all those who have asked us to pray for them this morning. Let's hear this piece of music.
So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space. My name is John Kelly. Now I'd like to play uh, to play back some two recordings that I made of talks given at the recent novena for Our Lady of Perpetual Help in, in Limerick. The first uh, talk was given by Father Peter Hill. He's a redemptist from the Caribbean, and he, he spoke to us on the theme, A Just Household. This will be followed by the singing of the Magnificat. Of course, this is sung at each session of the novena, as a responsorial psalm. And our second talk today is from Anne Walsh. Anne Walsh is a lay redemptist from Canada, and Anne spoke to us on the theme, A Domestic Church. The piece of music to finish off this second part of the programme this morning was sung at the last three sessions of the Novena, and this is entitled, There is an Isle, a Bunny Isle, an old Limerick song. So please sit back and relax and enjoy this, especially those people who weren't able to attend the Novena this year. We hope you enjoy listening. So let's hear this. Church, we live in a world that is no surprise. Sometimes we turn on the television and we see millionaires and billionaires leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars to take care of their pets. Now, in case anyone of you here on the webcam have any ideas of doing this, I make a very good pet, so please remember me. We live in, in a world that's very much broken, it's very much unjust. We, we, we hear that about 70% of the world's population only control and have 3% of the world's wealth. We, we live in a world where we have so many homeless people. Last I saw the census in Ireland, there are over 10,000 homeless people here. We live in a world where there are people with no homes and others with, with, with multiple homes all over the world. We, we, we live in a world where many people have nothing or very little to eat. And then there's so much food being wasted all, all, all over the place. And we live in a broken world. And I share this with you, not for you to feel guilty, don't want to add any more Catholic guilt, but just as a recognition and a reality that we live in a world that's oftentimes unjust, oftentimes unfair, a world that is broken. As we come to our eighth day of the Novena, our theme is the just household. And on some levels we can say our call is like that young boy who realized when we put the man together, the whole world will fall into place. And how do we do this? If you listen carefully to the first reading from the prophet Isaiah, he paints a picture for us. We hear things like to lose the bonds of wickedness, to break every yoke, to share your bread, to clothe the naked, to take away speaking wickedness. And when we listen to the requirements from Isaiah, I think it comes into three major categories. If, if we want to work for justice in this world, I think we need to concentrate on freedom, and I think we need to concentrate on people's physical needs, and I think we need to also respect the dignity of everyone. Now, what does that look like? Freedom. Isaiah tells us, take away the yoke, let the oppressed go free, and lose the bonds of wickedness. When we look at our world, there are a lot of people in bondage. There are a lot of people who are oppressed. And our job as Christians is to help free them. Now, one of the ways I think as people we're in bondage and we're oppressed, which we don't oftentimes think of, I believe is the use of technology, the use of social media, the use of gadgets. Now, I'm going to be the first one to admit, I have my iPad right now. 
Alright, so I'm the first to admit technology is great, the internet is great, our gadgets are great. But we have to be careful that we don't let these things become more important than people. It is not uncommon to walk down the street and you see a group of teenagers and they're walking in a group and nobody's talking to each other, headphones in their ear and they're staring down at their screens. It's not uncommon that so many homes, families don't even share a meal together anymore because everyone is in a separate room doing their own thing in front of a television. It's, it's not uncommon that there's so many people who, who go on the internet and they have some very wicked, some very vile, malicious things to say about others hiding behind a screen. It's not uncommon in our world we believe that so many young people, so many poor young people feel that, that, that their worth is not good enough because they don't have the latest gadgets and the latest equipment. We live in a world where, where child pornography, where pornography is destroying so many families as so many people go on the internet to have their, their needs met. We live in, in a world where there's so many poor people working in terrible conditions in sweatshops around the world so that we can have all the latest equipment. Again, it's not to make us feel guilty, but for us to recognize that oftentimes if we're not careful, that we can become slaves to technology like this. And so often we're so in front of a screen, and then this face-to-face, -face, this, this beauty of the other, gets lost because we're hiding. And it's especially important for us on the younger end of the age spectrum to be aware that we don't fall prey and become oppressed and become slaves. That as soon as we wake up in the morning, we're checking emails, we're checking messages. As soon as we, before we go to bed, it's the last thing we do. Throughout the day, we're constantly in touch. But the people right next to us, their stories, their lives, their hurts, their pains, their joys, it's removed from us because we don't even spend time with the other. So we have to be careful of that. The second, I think, is physical needs. Isaiah tells us, share your bread, pour yourself out for the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house, clothe the naked. And one of the important things from this, Isaiah reminds us with this four-letter word, your. He's reminding us that to work for justice, to be with people, we have to get in the mess of people's lives. And it also will cost us something. Your bread, your clothes, your home. To remind us that all of us are called to give. In the seminary this past Lent, we did a, a simple gesture. On the Fridays in Lent, we decided as, as a community that we're not going to have uh, any fancy dinner. We're just going to have soup. And so the money that we save, we're going to give it to a charity. And so there's 17 growing men in that house. So you can imagine the amount of money we spend on food. And so we deprived ourselves. We gave of our food, so to speak, so that others could benefit. It's not oftentimes difficult things to do, but we just always have to keep in, in the forefront of our minds that God has blessed us, and even the little we have, we need to share with others so that they may have a life also. And the last thing is respect and dignity. Isaiah says things like, Take away speaking wickedness. Don't hide yourself from your own flesh. And what does that look like? On very simple levels, we need to pay attention to our language, the words that we use. Oftentimes you hear it, all black people are lazy, 
All migrants and refugees, they're just thieves. All Irish people do is just drink and get drunk. All country folk are stupid. All conservatives are backward. All liberals are enlightened. And, and, and we, we label people, we categorize things, and what we don't realize is that when we do that, we're not respecting the fact that each and every one of us was made in the image and likeness of God. And when we start with the name calling, then we start to dehumanize people, and now it makes an excuse, it makes us comfortable in how we treat, because guess what? They're not humans. And so we need to always pay attention to our language because if we keep repeating things, then we start to believe it. And when we start to believe it, then it now justifies our behavior. So the prophet Isaiah is reminding us of our call to see Christ in everyone and to reach out to our brothers and sisters in need. And so I just want to end with this story. It's called the story of the fourth wise man. The story says that the fourth wise man left with the other three to follow the star in search of baby Jesus. Along the way, he was constantly distracted by people who needed his help. He would send the other three ahead and catch up with them within a day or two. But when the three wise men reached Bethlehem, the fourth wise man was nowhere to be found. Many years later, the fourth wise man arrived arrived in Jerusalem three days after Jesus' crucifixion. He mourned and he wept, grieving the fact that the king he had come to worship had already grown up and had been put to death. He had spent 30 years helping others in need and had missed the one person he wanted to see the most. Then something extraordinary happened. Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to the fourth wise man. And the wise man started to apologize for not having arrived in time to worship Jesus. But Jesus replied, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. The fourth wise man who thought he had missed Jesus, Jesus was right there every single time he reached out to someone in need. My brothers and sisters, the little boy, the fourth wise man, and the prophet Isaiah, they all remind us that in this broken, unjust, and wounded world, our call and our task is to bring forth the light of Christ by working for the needs of others. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He looks on his servant in her loneliness. Henceforth all ages will call me blessed. The Almighty Lord smiles for me. Holy is His name. His mercy is from age to age on those who fear Him. He puts forth His arm in strength and scatters the proud-hearted. 
He casts the mighty from their thrones and raises the lowly. He fills the starving with good things, sends the rich away empty. He protects his royal servant, remembering his mercy, the mercy promised to our ancestors. To Abraham and his descendants forever. Good morning. My name is Anne Walsh, and you can tell from the accent that I'm not from Limerick. I come from St. John's in Newfoundland, so it might sound vaguely Irish, but only vaguely, and my ancestors would have come from around Waterford, somewhere around 1798. So it's a long time ago, but it's nice to be home. Father Jerry talked about the family as the domestic church, and I don't know about you, but for most of my life when I heard that, I felt woefully inadequate, as if my family was no church. And I focused on what we weren't rather than what we were, or rather than we focused on what we aren't rather than what we are. And somehow, in doing that, I think we can miss so easily the grace of God and the good work that God is doing and has done in our families, no matter what their shape or size or makeup. So. I thought for a long time that my family was nothing like a church. But now that I'm a bit older and hopefully a little bit wiser, I've had time to think about my family and others fa other families, and my thinking has changed a bit. Now I think the family is called the domestic church because God is at work among us and because we have so much that's good in the midst of all of our trials and struggles. Let me tell you what I mean. I'm going to share four lessons that I've learned from my family, my domestic church, and I'll invite you to think about, do they sound like your family and the wider church too? Because family is where we learn to be a community. I'm the oldest of eight, and I grew up in St. John's in a three-bedroom house that eventually grew to a five-bedroom house. I honestly don't know where we all fit. There were eight children, my mother and father, and my grandmother, most times. And there were other times when there were elderly or sick relatives who came to stay with us, sometimes for a day or two sometimes for a week or two, and sometimes for longer. There were elderly relatives, and one aunt in particular, who, whenever my mother was pregnant, moved in and took over. So there might have been 11 in the family, but there were always more. They took care of us, and we took care of them. And my memory of growing up is that there were lots of people, lots of food, lots of laughter, lots of music, and lots of squabbling. It was a loud house, and people used to say if you wanted an argument, you went there. 
I honestly don't remember where we all fit, but we did make room for one another in the house and in our hearts and in our minds and in our attitudes. And I think that's the first lesson that I learned in my family, that we make room for one another. And making room isn't just about the space in the house. It's about the space in your heart and the space in your mind and the space in your attitude. It's where we learn to be open to one another, to make room for one another. When all's said and done, we're family. When we were kids, we used to ask my mother, each of us secretly, we thought, who's your favorite? Which one do you love more? Now, I know I'm her favorite. But her answer was never, Anne, you're my favorite. Her answer was something like this. I don't have a favorite. I love most the one who needs me most. I thought that was a very wise answer. Not then, but now. That's my second lesson. Families keep a special eye out for one another, and especially for those who are most in need, those who are most on the edge, those who need more care or more time or more attention or more love or more nurturing or more resources. Families love most the one who needs us most. And that varies from day to day and week to week and year to year. We all get our turn. Next, and flowing from that, my family taught me what love looks like, not what it feels like. I hardly ever heard a parent or a sister or brother say, I love you. I would have thought they'd gone bonkers if they did that. <laughs> they taught me, though, that words without deeds are empty and that it's next to useless to say the words, I love you, if that's not backed up by good, solid action. How do you know I love you? Well, you know when I put you first and me second. It happens when you are a sick child and I stay up all night with you. When you're a tired mother, come home from a night shift and I make you breakfast. It's when it's exam time and I take away your smartphone so that you'll study. Ah, hit a, hit a little nerve there. It happens when a dad chooses to go to his daughter's school concert rather than to a match. That's what love looks like. That's how you know I love you and how you know you love me. That's my third lesson. Families teach us that Love is a decision, and actions speak louder than words. Life in my family also taught me that things don't always turn out as you'd planned, and that's not a bad thing. Failure and heartbreak are inevitable. They're part of being human and part of being in relationships. My family is not perfect and was never perfect. Life isn't perfect. In my family, we faced physical illnesses. We also faced mental illness in a significant way. We faced sorrow. We dealt with divorce and separation. 
We learned that some people go away and don't come home, and there's always an empty place in your heart for them. We also learned and dealt with the finality of death and how important it is to say and do the words and things of love while you have the chance. It's mostly through the hard times that we learned that change is inevitable and that we'll make it through with the help of God and one another. That's my fourth and my final lesson. Families teach us that things don't turn out as we plan sometimes and that that's not a bad thing. Sometimes God has something better in mind. Something is just, sometimes it's just something else, and that's not a bad thing. I'm not in charge. God is. So I believe that every family, no matter what its shape or size, no matter whether it has one parent or two or no parents, some of us now are older and we haven't any parents alive. But we're still family. We still have relationships with our brothers and sisters. And sometimes we forget those families. No matter what the shape, the size, or the makeup, families teach us and hold us and gather us and send us out into the world and give us a place to come back. It doesn't matter that your family or mine is not perfect. No family is. But that doesn't mean that your family or mine isn't holy, a domestic church. And so four little lessons from my family to yours this morning. First, make room for one another. Give each other space. Remember that actions speak louder than words. Love most those who need it most. And when things don't turn out as we planned, that's not a bad thing. Now we're going to sing um, an old Limerick song as our recessional this evening, and I hope that you will all join with us. There is an isle, a bonny isle. There is an
So welcome back again to the third part of Sacred Space. Uh, my name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And again, uh, I hope you got something from those talks that um, those of us who were able to attend the Novena this year were able to listen to. And again, most of those are online at novena.ie. If you go to webcam and go to recordings, some of those talks are still up there for, uh, for, for people to download and, and listen to. But in the meantime, uh, this part of the program is where we read and reflect on the Word of God. And before that, Shane is going to share this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture, please. Thank you, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this Word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your Word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed or our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today, the 14th Sunday, um, is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verse 1 to 6. Jesus went to his hometown, and his disciples accompanied him. With the coming of the Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and most of them were astonished when they heard him. And they said, Where did the man, where did the man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been granted to him? And these miracles that are worked through him. This is the carpenter, surely, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Jude and Simon. His sisters too, are they not here? And they would not accept him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is only despised in his own country, and among his own relations and in his own house. And he, he would work no miracle there, though he cured a few sick people by laying his hands on them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So that's the gospel for this week and the 14th Sunday in ordinary time. Shay, maybe in the last maybe four minutes or so, that maybe you can share a thought or two between us. Yeah, um, this one, I suppose, I, I'm never quite sure what to make of this particular episode from Mark's gospel. Um, I, I, in, one, in one sense, it strikes me actually as a very Irish gospel, um, without being too mean about it, because... We're 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 we, we, we're great people actually for not letting people get too much ahead of us or ahead of themselves and kind of bringing people back down to ground. Um, it's almost like a second nature to us in some respects in Ireland in particular. It's a, it's a national skill, but when you read about it in the gospel, it's kind of going mm, okay. Not too sure about that now. Um, we have of course here you know Jesus comes back to uh, Nazareth. Now he the, the context here is. He had been away for a couple of months. He had been preaching and healing, and his reputation had preceded him, if you like. So he comes home, and he gets up in the, in the synagogue on the, on the Sabbath, and he's, he's teaching. And they're all kind of going, would you look at your man? Who, do, who does he think he is like? And, you know, it's a very, it's a very human reaction, you know. Uh, they, they knew him. They knew where, they, as, they say, as we say in Ireland, they knew every breed, spit, and generation of him, um, you know. And they were going, well, where did this all come from? And I think what it says to us 
is it holds up a mirror to us very much and kind of says, well, where is our humility and our openness to seeing the divine in those around us and those that we know best uh, or that we think we know best? And it also, I suppose, challenges us to be aware that people, no matter how well we know them, each of us has our own hidden depths. We are all children of God with our own skills and talents that the good Lord has given us. And I think one of the things that, kept, that comes out for me on this Sunday's Gospel is that question, do we give time and space to each other to be able to discover those talents and gifts? And do we really encourage each other uh, to discover those talents and gifts that we have? Or in the sense that, you know, or is it a case of, does the green-eyed monster pop up its head? And we go, well, no, you can't be doing that now, because that's not how it's done around here. And sure, you're only so-and-so, and you're not supposed to be doing that. You know, the, this and this gospel is very much one that we could, we, if, we, if we were really serious about it, and we thought about it, and we reflected on it, it would give us a lot of scope for a bit of reflection um, in, in terms of our views and how we treat people around us, and in our own towns and villages. Um, this isn't this isn't actually a gospel where we have to go very far at all no. to see how we could bring it home in our very daily lives, and that's something I think that we have to we have to listen to. It's not easy, and I think, but it is something we have to listen to, and that's I think one of the challenges for me, John, in this Sunday's gospel. And very much the same as that. Thanks for that, Shane. Yeah, I mean that line they would not they would not accept him. You know this idea. He's only a carpenter. Well, what does he know? And, you know, we were chatting about it there on Monday night at Lecture Divina, and, and one of the ideas, you know, this idea came up, like, um, do we refuse to listen or accept to God working through ordinary people? We know, because it doesn't fit into our comfortable way of thinking. This week, maybe, let's think about not plucking out Jesus from reaching us through others, through these people who mightn't have former religious qualifications and so on and so forth, because... I was reminded that actually during the week, and somebody mentioned it, um, that when, when a lady appeared in various uh, places around the world, in Fatima and Medjugorje and Lourdes, she appeared to little children. Didn't uh, didn't come and speak to the to, to the qualified religious people and so on and so forth. Maybe there'd be a lesson for that. But maybe the most important thing, as Shane said this week, let it let let God be God. And as Shane said, those people. Everybody else has talents. God gave them the talents that he wants them to use to further his kingdom. Let's let God do God's work and let's not be the judge. Anyway, that about brings us to the end of the program. Thanks a lot, Shane. Uh, next week, hopefully, we'll have Imran again to share again with us um, some more thoughts on the world in the family. So we're going to chat this week about uh, next week about the conversations. These are some of the conversations that each parish uh, had a chance to encounter. I think it was over six weeks there, a number of weeks ago. But in the meantime, we'll go out with a piece of music this morning. And I thought, well, you know, the weather's been so great. Uh, thanks be to God for his creation and the way he's given us some beautiful sunsets and beautiful times together where all of our boats are really lifted. There's only one piece of music really I can play. It's by the wee Daniel, Daniel O'Donnell, and it's entitled What a Wonderful World. So until next week, for myself and Shane, God bless you all now. Bye. Bye. I see trees of green 
roses too I see them bloom For me and you And I think to myself What a wonderful world I see skies of blue And clouds of white The bright blessed days The dark sacred nights And I think to myself What a wonderful world The colors of the rainbow So pretty in the sky Are also on the faces Of people going by I see friends shaking hands Saying how I hear babies cry I watch them grow They'll learn much more Than I'll ever know And I think to myself What a wonderful world Yes, I think to What a wonderful world. Thank you very much. Thank you, you know. I don't know if you all heard about a, a time that that Patty was out walking, did you? Well, Patty went for a walk one day and he chose to go on a walk along a, a, a cliff, you know, by the seaside. And he was walking and he was enjoying the scenery and taking in the fresh air and all this sort of thing. And whatever happened, he wasn't just watching his footing one time. And all of a sudden he tripped and he went over the cliff. And uh, boy, he was tumbling down there and he knew his time was coming. And all of a sudden he saw this branch of a tree sticking out from the edge of the cliff and he grabbed onto it and there he was, suspended. Halfway up or halfway down, it really didn't matter. <laughs> and he thought for a minute and he, he thought that when he was young, his mother used to pray to lots of saints. Irish people are like that, you know, we pray to loads of saints, all different saints, Bridget, Thomas, everybody. We pray to all the saints in times of trouble. And uh, Paddy remembered some of the names and he started calling out to, to Bridget and all the others that he remembered from his childhood. But the branch began to give way and none of them were coming to his aid. And then he thought that he should go right to the top. And he said, God, he said, are you up there? 
And he heard a voice, My son, what took you so long? <laughs> and he says, God, he says, can you help me in my hour of need? And God said, My son, he said, let go of the branch and put your trust in me. And Paddy looked up and he said, Is there anybody else up there? Sacred Space.